This episode is sponsored by Dive-In, a mobile app that makes it easy for anyone to do more good in their local communities. The Dive-In app connects users to local nonprofits, as well as thousands of volunteer opportunities and events. On the app, users can also share stories that inspire others to give back. You can download Dive-In by visiting divein.app slash download. Please stay tuned for this week's installment of Let's Dive In. We'll be hearing from Sally Coleman, Director of National Programs at Beyond Differences. It's one of the thousands of organizations you can find and connect with on the Dive In app. Thanks, now on to the show. This episode contains sensitive topics of rape and suicide. If you have kids around, we suggest putting headphones on, or you can save this episode for later. I was the CEO of DoSomething.org, which is the largest organization for young people and social change in America. It's now over 6 million members. And they text them every week something that they can do. Hundreds of thousands of kids will do these campaigns. It's a phenomenal way to engage young people in America. But there'll also be a couple dozen kids every week who text back something personal, like I'm being bullied and I don't want to go to school, or um, my best friend is addicted to crystal meth, what should I do? So we would triage it like any customer service rep would do, like, well, here's a hotline you should call, maybe talk to your school principal, Uh, maybe that's something you you can talk to your mom about, that kind of thing. And then we got a message that was just darker. It literally said, he won't stop raping me. It's my dad. He told me not to tell anyone. And the letters, are you there? So R-U-T. And we sent back the phone number for Rain, the rape and incest organization. And um, I never heard back from her again. Um, And I've actually tried to call that number. I've tried to text that number. I don't know it. Are you there? Sounds like a normal question, right? But for millions of people in the country and all over the world, those three words could be a signal for despair, a feeling of worthlessness, and just inexplicable pain. Those three words could be a call for help. This is the story of Nancy Lublin, CEO of Crisis Text Line, and Bob Philbin, co-founder and Crisis Text Line's chief data scientist. This is Camille. And this is Maverick. And this is Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action. From the lens of today's most inspiring humans. When I was in preschool, there was a boy who declared purple to be a boy color and said the girls couldn't use the purple crayons. And purple was my favorite color. It was my grandmother's favorite color. And so I grabbed the magenta, the lavender, the lilac, you know, all those Crayola names and had them in my fists. I apparently went under the table. I went around the room screaming, I've got the purple. I was inconsolable. My parents had to be called to school. And that was my first act of social change was liberating the purple crayons. 
That's Nancy. If you look at the chapters that would follow her purple crayon story, which we'll get to in a second, you'll realize that it wasn't random. I love solving problems. I'm a bit of a problem solver. I kind of wish that I had been better at math or more detail-oriented. Maybe I would have gone into something tactile. Um, And I love solving problems for real people. Real people, like women who don't have access to professional outfits for job interviews. Those are the kind of people Nancy empowered when she created Dress for Success. When she was a law student, she received a $5,000 inheritance from her great-grandfather. With Nancy's unbelievable tenacity, she turned this gift into Dress for Success, a nonprofit that has helped more than one million women achieve economic independence. I'm not that thoughtful about my own career path. I'm really good about other people's career paths, but mine, I just kind of have gone from thing to the next thing. And that next thing? It was an organization she joined in 2003 called DoSomething.org. Through online and offline campaigns, Do Something encourages young people to participate in social activism. I never really thought about much of a narrative thread, a consistent thread between those entities. And then a friend pointed out to me they were all about helping other people be the best version of themselves. So Dress for Success is about reclaiming your destiny and being the best version of you away from the bias about clothing and class. And and Do Something is about young people discovering their voice and engaging in the world around them. At Do Something, Nancy absolutely crushed it. In fact, before she stepped down as CEO, she wrote a pretty epic resignation letter in 2015, part of which reads, 12 years ago, I took over a hot mess. Do Something had just laid off 21 of 22 people. There was $73,000 in the bank and $250,000 in debt. Yep, hot mess. Today, we are 3.6 million members. That's bigger than the Boy Scouts of America. And we are on track to hit 5 million members by the end of this year. So yeah, I slayed the last 12 years at the helm of DoSomething.org. And I did it by standing on the shoulders of the very best people. So why the heck would I leave this incredible place? Because I'm ready to do it again. It was during her 12-year run at Do Something when Nancy came across a response to one of their text alerts. It was a series of messages from an anonymous texter, which would catapult Nancy into her next mission. It literally said, he won't stop raping me. It's my dad. He told me not to tell anyone. And the letters, are you there? So R-U-T. And I've actually tried to call that number. I've tried to text that number. I don't know if, um, I don't know if it was a burner phone. I don't know if her dad saw it. I don't know if she's dead or alive. And it was pointed out to me about a year ago by a coworker that I always use a female pronoun when I tell this story. I don't know that that was a girl. Might not have been. So... Within a couple of weeks of this exchange, I was like, gosh, if they're going to share such personal stuff, if they're that alone, someone needs to make a hotline by text. So we did. This critical leap into what is now Crisis Text Line took shape alongside another brilliant human, Bob Philbin. First, I worked as a data scientist at DoSomething.org. Nancy was the CEO there. That's how we met. Early on, Bob recognized his appetite for science and discovery. That question of what do you want to be when you grow up, the answer was a paleontologist. 
I thought dinosaurs were fascinating. I had a sandbox in my backyard where I thought there were dinosaur bones buried in that sandbox. You know, who knows how they got there, but they were there. And I think what captured me about that is the idea that there were these other versions of the world that nobody on our planet right now has ever seen. So I would say that's really what drew me in is science, possibility, the idea that where we are now is changeable in terms of the future that we want to see. Bob took his analytical skills outside of your typical corporate setting and leveraged his talent for social good. And honestly, at the end of the day, I started my professional career in AmeriCorps. So a federal program of volunteer and service. And I think that idea of service as a central part of building a great country or a great community is very important to me. And I think I carry that through my work. And that's essentially what he helped build a crisis text line. Bob turned what he and Nancy saw do something into a new service that they both knew young people needed. So we saw this pattern of people texting a volunteer service that really had nothing to do on the surface with the issues they were texting about to us. The issues ranged from being bullied, people telling us they were being bullied. They were facing eating disorders. They were thinking about coming out as gay to their friends or to their family. But for some reason, they found a level of trust in the system. And so when Nancy started thinking about why are they trusting us, there was this pattern and theme around text. The fact that we were reaching out to them via text, we knew had been incredibly powerful for DoSomething.org in terms of engaging people versus, say, phone call, email, et cetera. Text has way higher engagement, even on volunteerism. And Nancy's idea was, could the same thing be true, especially for engaging young people in talking about their mental and physical health? Bob was employee number one at Crisis Text Line. And then our CTO, too, at the time, we were the first two employees. We were the East Coast version of a West Coast startup. So West Coast, you're in a garage. You're working out of a garage in New York. We don't have garages. So we were in the corner of a friend's office hanging out and coding up the first version of what became Crisis Text Line. The nonprofit launched in August of 2013. Its mission is to provide a confidential support service for people in crisis. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every texter is connected with a crisis counselor, a real-life volunteer who's trained to help you sort through your feelings by asking questions, empathizing, and actively listening. Two-thirds of our texters are sharing something for the first time they've never shared before with anyone else. So we're finding that this is a gateway for people to talk about mental health. The gateway that Crisis Text Line built has seen over 100 million messages exchanged since they launched. To empower researchers, school administrators, parents, and just about anyone interested in crisis data, the organization also launched crisistrends.org. On the site, you'll learn about states ranked by crises related to anxiety and stress. You can also see sample texts and top words used by texters pertaining to an issue. Here's an example. If you click on stress, texters might use the words school, everything, life. And a sample message would be, I feel like drowning. If you click on depression, a sample text might read, I've got recurring feelings of ruthlessness, despair, an overwhelming sense of I can't stop what's going on in my head. Why can't I be happy? One of the biggest surprises to me in doing this work, because I was new to this space, 
is the massive scale of how much pain there really is out there. Everybody has had a moment really where maybe they should have texted us. A moment of anger, a moment of anxiety, a period of depression. I think that one of the big myths out there is the I'm fine myth. My pain doesn't matter. My pain isn't big enough. And I think that's also connected to the stigma that it's something that's only diagnosed or like really serious. And we're here for everybody. We've tried to build a brand in Crisis Text Line that's accessible, that you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have someone drive you to an appointment. You don't even have to have like a free hour to talk to a therapist. You can text us when you're in that moment of pain and we'll be here for you. You don't even have to use complete sentences because it's text, you know? So we've really tried to democratize the notion of your pain mattering. We're here for everybody. Nancy says that when we see or hear someone in pain, we should start with saying, I care about you. I will have to say that we looked at our data last year where severity is concerned and noticed that it is never harmful or suggestive for us to risk assess about severity. So it's never harmful or suggestive to say to someone, are you thinking about death or dying? And so the key was, um, it's never harmful or suggestive, so we should ask 100% of the time if people are suicidal. Then we looked at when do we ask early in a conversation, not late, but early in the conversation, right? As soon as you've established rapport. Nancy says they call this the Always Ask program. It's a philosophy they've adopted in Crisis Text Line. And I would encourage listeners, I would encourage people to always ask. Remember there was that Facebook meme going around, like, my kettle is always on. And if you need me, I'm here for you. I'm here 24-7. Those are all I statements. They're about, I am here. I've got you. They're not you statements. The important thing is to ask the question, it seems like you've been a little off lately. So I just want to ask, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about death? You can do it. Like, you don't have to be a professional. It's not going to give someone the idea to kill themselves. It's not harmful. You can ask. Um, start with an expression of care. Tell them that you care about them, that you're concerned about them. And then be prepared to listen. And don't say to them, like, no, you're going to be fine. No, validate somebody's pain and say, wow, that sounds horrible. Let's work together. Like, you're not alone in this. I got you. And let's work together to find some other options, other people we can talk to. Maybe it's time to see a doctor. There's so many other options. But the hardest thing is to be sitting with this pain alone. So we've got your back. Nancy says that we should let people in crisis know they're not alone. It is very hard to face the pain of addiction, grief, job loss, anxiety alone. And we can all do this. We don't have to have money or training to be there for somebody we care about. And so be there for somebody that you care about. There are professionals. So getting people to doctors, getting people to therapy, in more than 80% of our conversations, we end up talking about, or at least asking, have you seen a therapist? When's the last time you saw a doctor? Because we're really here to just triage the crisis. We are not a replacement for long-term therapy. In fact, when people text us too often or too much, we say to them, you know what? You're developing a dependency on us and that's not healthy. You need a therapist, you need a doctor, you need you know, a best friend, an actual best friend in real life. And so we will push them in that direction. Today, Crisis Text Line has thousands of monthly volunteers. 
So we have 5,000 volunteers every 28 days. So about every month, 5,000 people will log into the platform to support texters in crisis. Our volunteers are all around the country. They go through our online training, which is about 30 hours. They apply, they go through that training, and then they start taking conversations on the platform. We do have a staff, we call them supervisors, who are social workers, and they're always watching over the conversations, making sure everything is going well, and they're there to support you. So it's not easy. I mean, you're helping people in crisis, but we have a system set up that's really there to support our volunteers. There are so many anonymous success stories from Crisis Text Line, but the big surprise about doing their work, Nancy says it's the incredible community they were able to build with crisis counselors at its very core. These are the most amazing people I have never met. (laughs) Because I don't meet them. It's rare when I get to see a crisis counselor IRL. When I see somebody in real life, it's like a really special and I hug them and I'm like, ah, I can't believe I'm getting to meet you. Um, Because they're all at home in their jammies on their couch doing this work, but they are incredible people and they have each other's back and they're volunteering their time to do this hard work. So this is the most altruistic thing I've ever seen. It's strangers helping strangers in their darkest moments. No thank you most of the time. No satisfaction of knowing what's happened afterwards. There's no, like, plaque. It's the most beautiful form of volunteerism. It's it's a love machine. It's a love machine. In case you're curious, both Bob and Nancy are also crisis counselor volunteers. Yeah, I used to be worried that I wasn't going to be good at it, and um, our training is really solid. Now I've had about 3,000 conversations on the platform. I'm actually one of our about top 50 crisis counselors in terms of volume. Yeah, I'm totally into it. If you want to learn more about Crisis Text Line or how you can get involved, please visit crisistextline.org. If you're listening right now and are struggling with anxiety, depression, emotional abuse, suicidal thoughts, or anything of this sort, you are not alone. Support is out there. Text HELLO to 741-741 to reach a trained crisis counselor. Stay tuned for this week's installment of Let's Dive In. episode of Let's Dive In, we're hearing from Sally Coleman, Director of National Programs at Beyond Differences. Beyond Differences is a student-led social justice movement that's dedicated to ending social isolation. Our mission is to inspire students at all middle schools nationwide to end social isolation and to create a culture of belonging for everyone. Studies have shown that social isolation in youth can have serious health consequences, such as heart disease, depression, sleeping disorders. Um, In extreme cases, it's led to self-harm and community violence. Beyond Differences has various programs, including student leadership training for students from middle school through high school. The organization also provides free supplies and resources to educators all across the United States. Beyond Differences was founded by Laura Thomas and Ace Smith in honor of their daughter, Lily Rachel Smith. 
Lily was born with a cranial facial syndrome and it made her look different. And in middle school, Lily felt invisible and left out. And the pain from that exclusion was just so unbearable for her that she actually stopped attending school. Lily passed away due to medical complications when she was 15 years old. And when her former classmates gathered at her memorial service, they were surprised to discover the depth of Lily's pain and the isolation she was feeling. The mission of Beyond Differences started out as a tribute to Lily's life. But it's ended up touching millions of students across the United States, and it's grown into the social justice movement. We have three programs that wrap around the school year. There's one called Know Your Classmates, and then No One Eats Alone and Be Kind Online. And it's all about teaching students to be aware of what social isolation is and to be activists to create a culture of inclusion in their school. Beyond Differences is one of thousands of organizations that you can discover on Dive In. So if you want to connect with local nonprofits and easily discover volunteer opportunities and meaningful events in your area, check out the Dive In app. Just visit divein.app slash download. All the links mentioned in today's episode are in our show notes. That's it for this week's episode. If you like Sincerely Human, please show us some love by rating and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you're listening from there. You can also tell your friends about our podcast. Help us spread stories of inspiring humans who are doing good in the world. Thank you guys for all your support. We'll be in your ears again next week. Remember, be good to one another. This show is produced by Human Group Media, an award-winning social good podcast company. Human Group Media works with thought leaders, brands, and organizations to inspire social change through the power of audio storytelling.